0: Hey, it's the King Plum. I have to admit that I love a good court scene in a fictional drama. I enjoy watching the lawyers pick and choose which facts they're going to use and how they're going to weave them together, but more importantly, how they're going to present them to the jury, because that's their audience. In a sense, the lawyer is a performer. They're also sort of a narrator. They're composing this story. As much as I love watching them move the puzzle pieces about and weave these things together, there came a point when as much as I thought this would be fun, I realized how much I found it, for me personally, despicable, something I could never do personally because it felt like the person who has the most money can buy the best storyteller. And when justice comes down to stories and theater, well, it doesn't seem like it's really about right and wrong and justice anymore, at least not to me. But I spent more time thinking about theater and storytelling when I learned about a debate that was going to happen in my area. To set the stage, on one side we have a Christian who believes in young earth creationism and that Genesis is literally true. On the other side is a skeptic, an atheist who believes in evolution evolution, and that Genesis is a myth. The topic, teaching kids that Genesis is literally true, divine mandate or child abuse. So I set the stage not to discuss this debate specifically, but to use it as an example in general. So I know that there are a lot of different types of debates, and there are a lot of different purposes for doing them as well. But if we look at an example like this, what is the reason for doing something like this? I think by the very nature of a debate being a debate, it sets up two sides. And it's an us versus them, and everyone has their opinion prepared before they even come in. They know exactly what they think, what they believe. So there's no, there's going to be no changing of minds through this process of the debate. It's also usually not about understanding. It's not to ask the other person, so why do you think this? Oh, okay, well, what about that? Well, if you believe that, well, doesn't this no longer make sense? And on and on. Often when I've listened to debates of any kind, it seems like each side is attacking a caricature of the other side. So for instance, if we're looking at this particular example, the atheist doesn't seem to truly understand the believer and the believer doesn't seem to truly understand the atheist and we see this not only in formal debates but even in conversations in person it's not about meeting each other where we're at or truly listening to each other it's about making our point right but let's walk this back the more i've thought about it i think that this the the formal debate in a public venue is In part, it's entertainment, and in part, it's an informative slash educational opportunity for both sides of the argument. Okay, so I've not really formally debated before, but I was thinking about this. What would I do if I had the opportunity, if I was sort of forced into the situation where I was going to debate somebody? Because I'm not sure I would choose to do this. So under the umbrella of the topic, I'd want to pick a goal or a message, like what exactly I want to convey. And I'd also want to choose who I am speaking to. So if we take this particular example, who am I speaking to? Am I speaking? If I am the atheist, am I speaking to fellow atheists or skeptics, or am I speaking to believers and atheists, am I speaking to believers only? Like, who who am I addressing? And from there, then I need to formulate the message I want to convey. What do I want people to walk away with? Is it an impression or a clear um, explanation of who atheists are or are not? Is it more definitive about science? Do I want to tackle this topic strictly through scripture? And obviously those messages or goals are going to change depending on who I'm speaking to. And then I was thinking it could also be that I'm speaking directly to the person I'm debating with. And the audience is strictly an audience. They're beyond the fourth wall, right? I don't I don't even address them and I don't even consider them there. But I think that if I did do that, that is a, a lost opportunity. And and I I don't want to do that. I don't want to cut them off. Because this is a it's a performance in a way. When a lawyer composes that narrative they are doing it interactively with the jury. They make eye contact, they point, they draw them into the story. And I think that as an effective storyteller, that happens as well with the audience. Depending on the topic that I am debating, I think I'd like to steer away from doing something like a slide presentation. And I'd like to have audience participation. So I'd like to call you know, a person or few up to the front or on stage, however it's set up, to interact with me, whether with props or not, to to give an object presentation, to to bring something home, to make it stick in the mind, you know? I'd love to throw in some humor, but I don't know that I'm all that great at coming up with that type of thing, so I'd need some help in that department. I was just wondering how effective or too far off the wall this approach might be particularly when we get into the rebuttals and responses portion of the debate initially that's where i thought you would mix it up a little bit and adapt to your debating opponent to some extent anyway but then i realized effective or off the wall the real question is does the method meet the goal, the message, you know, who we are endeavoring to speak to? Because if it does, then essentially the job is done because typically people don't change their minds after they leave a debate. They come in one way and typically leave that way. I suppose you could almost say that debating is, <laughs> is a kind of performance art. Oh, no, like in the beginning, I was like, you can't convince me to do that. I don't want to do that. And now that I've sat here thinking about it and talking about it, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued. I'm kind of curious. I'm kind of wondering, could I do that? Would I want to do that? What would the outcome be? <gasps> A very poignant picture comes to mind when thinking about all of this. A few months ago, I read the book, The Last Days of Socrates, written by Plato. The book is broken up into several sections, but one of them is when Socrates goes before a group of, maybe it's a jury, I can't remember, and there is someone else there who is essentially his accuser, saying he's misled young thinkers in their ideas. And, and Socrates is claiming innocence. The problem is the accuser is using a lot of rhetoric and essentially theater. He's creating a narrative that is connecting with his audience. And Socrates, he can't be bothered. He won't play that game. And Socrates, his friends, his friends are frustrated because they know that he can play that game if he wants to, but he just simply won't do it. And it was to his detriment. He was found guilty and later executed previously. When I first thought of the word debate, the first inclination that came to mind was that I had to have all of my arguments in line. I had to have all of my facts, but now I'm thinking it's about people not data, not information. Don't get me wrong, that stuff is great and necessary, but it doesn't stick with us, it doesn't stay with us. Data or information, knowledge that comes with a powerful story or a narrative of some kind, that is different. I don't know about you, but I would rather learn through entertainment than through a lecture particularly if I'm skeptical about the topic or I disagree with the topic. And as I'm saying things, I'm just wondering, can you imagine if these, if these ideas were applied to online debates, online discussions, say on Twitter or Facebook? I think they would be different environments with different dynamics, and we might learn more. I think something that we often forget, too, is that it's not just a conversation between us and one or a few other people on Twitter or Facebook, but there is a greater audience and people do stop by and view those things. They may not comment, they may not, you know, favorite or like uh, those tweets or comments, etc., but they are viewing it. They are hearing those words. So it's as if. This debate has been placed on a stage for all to see, to hear. And then the question is, are we pleased with what we've presented in that moment? And will we be pleased with it down the line? Because it's there to stay. So I attended that debate last night and obviously I walked away with a lot to think about.